Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Bull and Hawk Sports Show. I am CJ Hawk, joined by DJ Benny the Bull. I'd like to welcome you to episode 105. And we will be introducing now a brand new part of the show. We are very excited to announce the release of a brand new idea that we decided on that was mutually beneficial to the podcast. We're going to call it the Bullenhawk Sports Show Center Stage. Otherwise known as Bullenhawk's Center Stage. Right. So how this goes is five minutes around there or less DJ Brandon Bull and I will choose four athletes who had recent performances that stood out to us it can be man or woman any league could be from Korea baseball could be anything wrestling counts anything like that and we'll discuss a little bit about it kind of an icebreaker intro we used to do this in the past where we had like Articles we found, I believe, and we chose that. Yeah, that was different. I was like spotlight or first something. First five. Yeah, first five. Yeah. In essence, this is a spotlight. Right. In um, towards the individual, which makes it, um, you know, not as overbearing um, to really um, display news. Um, this is more like hands-on, um, focusing on individual. Right. So. We'll see how it goes. We'd love your feedback on. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Let us know if you think it stinks. Let us know if you have suggestions. Also, let us know. We'd appreciate it. So let's... Let's begin. Begin. So the first athlete I chose to start off this brand new idea is Cleveland Guardians starting pitcher Tristan McKenzie. He started game two of the wild card series versus the Tampa Bay Rays in Cleveland. And it's a big game for the Guardians. They could sweep the Rays with a W. And McKenzie had a great regular season. He was 11-11, 2.92 um, like ERA. Great regular season. He's one of my favorites in the league, this young guy. And he dominated the Tampa Bay Rays. McKenzie, six shutout innings and eight strikeouts. Brilliant performance, limited the walks, few hits scattered, but the race could not touch Tristan. He was on fire. And his performance, frankly, in my opinion, is why the Rays were dispatched from the playoffs. Tristan went six shutout innings. The bullpen stepped up, got one hit. They won a 15 innings. Guardians moving on. Tristan McKenzie definitely helped the Guardians because their offense has been very bad so far, but with his pitching, it kept them in the game, and they won. DJ Bamboo is next. All right, so for me, I'm going to kick it off with Chicago Red Star Yuki Nagasato. She's named Player of the Game, and we went to this game. We attended post-game fireworks after we defeated the Angel City FC. And Yuki played really well. She had a goal that secured us, uh, you know, the first uh, advantage 
as we were, uh, you know, very nervous going into this one because this was win or go home. Funny because we're already home. But yes, um, this really put us on a good footing. And um, she really defended the ball, passed, just did everything um, she had to do, um, re really gave everything she had to, as we've known before. I know she doesn't usually get um, her due. I know she also just came back. And, but yeah, she really produces and we know um, it's very, she's a very reliable um, piece for the Red Stars and um, uh, once again, happy that she's back and that she um, has been given this, um, you know, opportunity and um, she really should be one to, to really help them um, through a lot of these uh, situations because um, usually I know like like they like to spotlight you know like Tatum and Mallory and uh, like they're, they're expected to you know more or less um, attack but um, yeah she she has been before I know a lot of newer fans don't know but um, she um, she's a true uh, striker and uh, perhaps the best um, uh, dribbler, uh, ball handler on the entire squad. So, yeah, with with the one goal, uh, we we got more than one, but she uh, really kept us in the in motion in in the groove to to be victorious, and um, just really happy to see that happen for us. And now we're will be in the playoffs it's uphill climb but yeah with her we should be um continuing our um hopefully on a win streak <laughs> um since we are on the sixth seed we need to get up there and <clears throat> hopefully um get to the finals once once again familiar territory Okay, my second player I'm going to discuss is Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins, better known as Captain Kirk. He led the Vikings to a must-win victory. They're now 4-1 on the year. Kirk Cousins, unbelievable start. 17 for 17. Watch this game on TV. Fox News, or not News, on Fox, and it was a great Fox Sports, Fox Sports, great uh, game for Kirk. He was finding Justin Jefferson, who had a great first half with ten catches, 130 yards. He found Jefferson all over the field. Dalvin Cook was great, and Kirk Cousins' strong performance led the Vikings to a tight win over the Bears. They should have blew them away, to be honest. But they let the Bears come back, and they barely won. But they end up winning, and only one mistake was an interception by Kirk Cousins. But he had a solid performance, and he tends to play well in tight games, which this one was. So he led them to a win to move into first in the NFC North. And then my next and last overall player athlete is Smackdown superstar Sheamus Celtic warrior um, the leader of the ball the brawling brutes 
and quite simply, Seamus has been on the roll of his career um, as he likes to shout out banger after banger after banger after banger. Really, he's been having good matches uh, his whole career and um, definitely call him elder statesman um, just in terms of uh, being um, like the person um, to have, you know, the best matches, you know, anytime that he he's on. And so right now, like, I feel like the entire uh, stable, himself included, like, they have um, not only been, like, able to brawl their way into, you know, success, but also um, really they, they've turned into, you know, good guys. And so I feel like Seamus was hot, like, years ago when he was, um, you know, basically the face of SmackDown. And now, like, he has a chance to capture... The, his first intercontinental championship, um, you know, being in a rivalry against Gunther. Um, so, we, you know, I hope that we're going to get, you know, more matches against them until until <laughs> Sheamus finally uh, wins that title. Um, but for right now, whether it's singles or him teaming up uh, with his mates, like it's... Um, just like really amazing like the crowd is like really into it like myself included like longtime fan um, of the sport and also of him because um, I feel like it's been stagnant you know for quite a while until this came together and you know like him bringing up you know some of the younger guys um, you know Butch and Rich Holland you know having them basically taking them under their wing um, as the veteran, uh, he really has, like, we already know that they're all good wrestlers, and so, uh, Seamus, he, it's really exciting to see him, um, it's almost like a resurgence, uh, in his career, and to see this side of him is, is, is really cool, and what better, uh, uh, villain than against, uh, Imperium, uh, led by, uh, Gunther. So let's. <laughs> I'm really, really excited to um, to see where this goes, and uh, in the end, I see him becoming IC champion. So, thank you for helping us figure out this brand new center stage introduction. Hi everyone, welcome to the Bullnock Sports Show. I am CG Hawk, one of the co-hosts of the podcast. We have gotten to the close of the MLS season. It's ramped up. We finally reached the conclusion of a long and treacherous campaign this year in MLS. The Chicago Fire season and dismal playoff hopes, which were less than Half a percent finally have reached mathematically zero. The Chicago Fire have been eliminated from playoff 
contention in the Eastern Conference for the 2022 season. And just as a fan overall and someone who follows MLS for news purposes and podcasting purposes, this season was full of ups and downs. Still feels like years ago that the fire first five matches of the season went undefeated with draws and wins. The fire looked great with the new players they added. And Ezra Hendrickson was pushing all the buttons as the new manager. I was so excited. Like Ezra Hendrickson was the right decision, baby. He looks like a fantastic manager. He's helped acclimate the new players to the team. And he's helped some of the veterans who have been on the side and some of the really youngsters as well. First, second year as a pro. Get going. But then as you remember, it went off the rails after that. After that beautiful five games, the fire imploded and went without a win in 10 games in a row. They struggled to score. And pretty much overall, there were far more lows and highs for the Chicago Fire this year. And if you could sum it up in a few different ways or a few things you could look at, I'm going to discuss an interesting article that kind of sums up the whole Fire's season after I recap this game against Charlotte, which was the last home match at Soldier Field this season. There's one more home game for the Fire, but it's at SeatGeek Stadium, home of the Red Stars, for the last game, so not at Soldier Field. So let's get to this recap of the match. This was the one they had to win. I've been saying that all for multiple weeks in a row, but this one, mathematically, if they lost it, it was over. So if they lost, it was over. Even if they got a draw, it was still very dismal. The chances were still unbelievably low, but if they didn't, if it was a loss, it was over. So let's get to the match. So the VAR took on Charlotte, who are the newest expansion side in the MLS this year. Charlotte's had a difficult campaign, just like the Fire. They've struggled, which is understandable. As a new expansion side, most of the time, you're going to have a hard campaign with players you got from via draft, for example free agent signings, new loans. Most of the time, it's not going to be a a season like in the NHL where Las Vegas Golden Knights had a brilliant campaign and made it all the way to the Stanley Cup Finals. That's rare. Most teams don't have a season that unbelievable. For example, more realistic ones are the Kansas City side in NWSL last season who struggled mightily. Racing Louisville as well and National Women's Soccer League both struggled immensely, bringing up the rear second and last, respectively. And most MLS expansion sides struggle immensely as well. So Charlotte's been more of the same in regards to that. But I do got to give them credit for expansion side. They were and technically still are in the bubble to go to the Eastern Conference playoffs. It looks very unlikely. But they have not been officially eliminated. Beating the Fire in this match was probably their biggest win of the year. 
to save their season in a sense. So with this win, they're still fighting, still alive. The dream that Charlotte faithful have is not over yet. This was the most important win of the whole season, and they got it. Partly due to their own skill, partly due to the fire exploding, falling apart before your very eyes, which is not shocking as a fire fan, but still horribly disappointing, gets the blood boiling as a fan that they can't seem to do anything correct. Every game is an our disappointment, an our failure, an our poor performance. I'm a little over-dramatizing thing. There have been good games, of course, but majority of the time it's an our poor performance for the starting 11 for the fire. So let's get to the lineups. So lineups for visiting Charlotte FC, Kalina and Goal, Defense, Nathan Byrne, Maldana, Wakes, Aful, Midfielders, Franco, Jones, Vargas, Carol Sorisky, and then Strikers, Rios, and Andre. That was the starting 11 for Charlotte. Now for the fire, we had Engel, Gaga, Defense, Miguel Navarro, Rafa Chios, the captain, Kendall Burks, Boris Sekulic. It's nice to see Kendall Burks get a start. He's not played in a long time. This was one of his first starting opportunities this season. Midfielders, Mauricio Pineda, Federico Navarro, Chris Mueller, Sheeran Shakiri, Brian Gutierrez, and the striker, John Doran. That was starting 11 by Ezra Hendrickson's club. The fire actually got off to an explosive start. Only three minutes in, the fire looked good passing. They had some good pace, good up-tempo to the side. It got going fast. When Mauricio Pineda, off a turnover, got in good positioning, the ball was passed after a kick that was blocked. It got back to Mauricio Pineda, and Pineda kind of had to navigate a few defenders, but he had a great right on the edge of the goal. So kind of like mid post area, a little bit farther back, kicked right line with the goalkeeper and the goalkeeper could do nothing. Got past him to give the fire a one nothing lead. Risa Pineda, first goal of his season. So congratulations to Pineda, who's not a scoring threat, He's a passing defensive midfielder, but he got it going for the fire, scoring his first goal. Good job, Mauricio. Then later on, the fire looked good defensively. They were playing very well at the first half. 15 minutes left in the first half, they scored again. John Duran, off another turnover by Charlotte, took advantage. John Duran kind of did a 180 turn, kicked it, brilliant strike. Past the goalkeeper to make it 2-0 fire. Great job by Dron Duran. He's been a much-needed scoring threat in the club. He always gives it 120%. He always is lightning rod for the club, and he scored again. Great job, Duran. He's only 18 years old, but he plays with such prowess. He feels like a veteran to me. Very proud of him. His first 
main year is a member of the club. Then we have halftime. So 2-0 at half. The fire looking good. The fans dancing. People cheering. People getting drunk. People are like, the fires. Playoff chances, which were pretty much zero, are still alive. We can win this. Hold on to this 2-0 lead. We're going to get it done. There's going to be fireworks. Post-game concert. People are going to be playing like loud music. House music. EDM. People are going to... It's be out of control because Chicago is going to be lit after this W. That's what people fought at halftime. But then the fire betrayed their trust with yet again an implosion by this side who loves to throw away leads when they get them once in a while. So at halftime, the fire actually played pretty well until this about the 70th minute. They still had the 2 nothing lead, still were there, still had a shot to put in the bank and get home for the next match with a W. But then, Karol Swarovski, the best player on Charlotte, their captain, their leader, their lightning rod, their maestro with the ball, scored. Big mistake by Gaga, he should have taken advantage and got Carroll's Shot blocked, but he didn't. And Shrisky, hard-footed attack, got past the D to score to put it 2-1. to one. So only 2-1, to one, it's not over. Okay, still a shot. It's not, all has not been lost. But then, 76 minutes later, Nuno Santos, a cheap shot, passed the fire's D, scored to make it 2-2. Two, two. That was devastating with the goal. All of the screaming, the yelling, the cheering went zero. So the intensity was 100 out of 100. With the goal, the air sucked out of the building and went zero out of 100. With Nuno Santos's game tying goal. If you're watching as a Charlotte fan on TV, you're probably screaming and like flopping uncontrollably after that goal. Because the season was over, but then it was not with that goal. And then the final goal, which is basically a buzzer beater, overtime winning goal, which was in the extra time, stoppage time, so 90 plus 6. The game was pretty much over, about one minute left, when the fire kind of fell asleep defensively. They struggled to get, clear the ball. That's for some poor passing. Karol Soretsky again got it, and the first one that was shot was blocked. But then Carroll got it back for Charlotte, and he scored it past Gaga over his head to make it a 3-2 W for Charlotte, ending the fire season for playoff hopes. The fire fell. Just devastating result. Not the most unbelievable result. I am not 100% shocked whatsoever that the fire lost. Was it still disappointing and poor result? So the Fire have to look now to next season. They still have two matches left, but they don't matter whatsoever. The Fire win both, doesn't matter. Lose both, doesn't matter. Draw both, who cares? So the Fire season ends yet again without a playoff appearance. Have been in the playoffs in a long time. And we'll have to see next year if. So the players can improve. 
one of the reasons players we've been missing is Gaga's gone. He's heading to Chelsea to join the Premier League side, either as the starting goalkeeper or off the bench as the backup. So we'll have to have a new goalie. And we'll have to see how some of these players who paid a lot of money for Jiren Shakiri, Kasper Savilko, how they look next season. Boris Sekulic, can he help have a strong tandem with Rafa Chios? We'll see. But I don't know. Things are not the most sensational positive. Some positives look at. John Duran made a big step forward this year. Federico Navarro improved. Brian Gutierrez, he had ups and downs. But he had some positives that make me think he can make something as a midfielder in this league. And there were injuries. Like, for example, while Almsburg was out for a long period of the season, but when he did play, he was his best year as a defender I've ever seen. And this could be the end of Johnny Bornstein, one of my favorites. He might be retiring after the season. Or if he's not technically, I think he should take a long look to consider. And another interesting thing to look at is contract news. This is breaking as of five minutes ago. Brian Gutierrez, who's 18 years old, one of our up-and-coming star, potentially midfielders, was signed to a four-year contract to remain with the Chicago Fire. So that is very important news that Brian Gutierrez is staying with the Fire for four seasons minimum. So good job for the club to meet with Brian and get him signed. Now I want to cover this article, very interesting, by Tom Bogart. Three big questions following Chicago Fire FC's 2022 season from LS.com. He wants us to look at the big picture. How the fire tore it down. They brought in Ezra Hendrickson. They brought in big stars such as Yuri Shakiri. Got off to a hot start, as I mentioned. And the three questions to look at are one, should or how can Chicago build around Shakiri? He talks about how this was his first MLS season. He's going to be under contract until through 2024. He's one of the most highest played players in all of MLS. He's going to the World Cup with Switzerland next uh, in this year. He's going to be 31. He had decent score numbers like I've discussed. Uh, Tom Bogart mentioned he had 7 goals, 11 assists, which is fine. He was limited, as he mentions. And you want him to have better numbers. He was 19th percentile in distance covered per 90 minutes, 11th in distance sprinting, 4th in total sprints, 2nd percentile in distance covered. As a midfielder, the team had to build around him. And one thing that's interesting... He's not shooting as much as you would expect with a player of his ability of goals and assists. Maybe it can change next year. As I, I've talked about ad nauseum, he doesn't have a lot to work with with players that can feed to score. Chris Mueller 
was good fit. Tom Bogart mentions. Hartwarts has not looked as sexy as people thought when they signed him from Viga Emeki's Atlas in May. With zero goals and one assist in just under 700 minutes. He likes to occupy some similar spaces as Shakiri mentions Tom Bogart, which is a problem. But one of the biggest things to note is former Philadelphia Union striker Casper Sabuco had his worst ever season in the MLS. That's Tom Bogart's opinion, mine as well, which is a big problem. But positive, as we've talked about here, John Duran had was unbelievable this year and a great up-and-coming year. So basically, to sum that up, how or can we build around Shakiri? The second point, how many new starters will arrive in defense? We went a big rebuild last year, Tom Bogart mentions. But really, only Rafa Chios was the big guy on defense that we recent, um, got signed. Gaston Jimenez remained in midfield, next to Federico Navarro. Boris Sekulic, Miguel Navarro, and Castoran played a ton of minutes defensively. They're already here. We had some clean sheets, but offensively, we struggled with defense. And when they opened it up more, goals started pouring in. So we need to balance the defenseman having capability to generate offense, but also when they do that, not allow goals to come in at an explosive rate. One interesting thing, had an offer rejected this summer for Danish center back Tobias Silkhurst from Spielborg IF. They want him bad, according to Tom Bogart. They want another center back. Borsekwich is out of contract, so there's a possibility he'll be gone. And what can we do next to Federico Navarro on midfield? What's happening that way? So the second point to look at was how many new stars will arrive defensively. The final main point to look at is, is Chris Brady ready to replace Gaga? Yeah, so... Gaga's gone. He's heading to England to join Chelsea. And Chris Brady is 18. He's very young. He's same age as Gaga. And there was already an offer from Belgium's Club Bruges who wanted Brady bad, but the Fire rejected that. They kept him. Thank goodness, because if we were missing those guys, we would have older veteran goalie maybe and according to statistics Chris Brady leads MLS next pro in goals minutes minus expected goals by mile at 7.92 second best is 4.72 essentially American soccer analysis is saying Chris Brady can see almost 8 goals fewer than expected based on the chances in front of him just over 1200 minutes there's not much more you can ask for a player seeing if they're ready for an MLS jump and right now, depth chart and goalies, we have Chris Brady and Spencer Ritchie, who's a veteran in his 30s. We'll see if Chris Brady is ready. We'll have to see. And one thing he mentions I didn't realize, but Tom Bogart says 
that the fire could ask Chelsea for another half season or full season loan of Gaga. They have not mentioned ruled that out yet. So potentially Gaga's not done yet. Most likely he will be, I think. I think it's going to be Chris Brady's uh, job as the starter goalkeeper. Unless they think he's not ready and they use Spencer Ritchie instead. So we'll see. So those are the three main points to look at for next year. Can we build around Shakiri? How many stars will arrive in defense? And is Chris Brady ready? And here's our depth chart to look at as of today. Strikers, we have John Duran, Casper Sabuco, Rodriguez, and Bereza. Left wingers, Chris Mueller. Brian Gutierrez and Fabian Herbers, right winners, Jairo Torres, Stanislav Ivanov, and Monias. Number 10s, Yuri Security, Brian Gutierrez, and Ogral. Number 8s, Gaston Jimenez, Mauricio Pineda, and Javier Casas. Number 6, Federico Navarro, Mauricio Pineda, and Rodriguez. Left back, Miguel Navarro, Johnny Bornstein. Andre Reynolds, the second. Ostrom, left center back. Rafa Chios, Watt right center back. Carl Strom, Mauricio Pineda, and Javier uh, Burks, Burks. Right back, Borsekovic, Espinosa, and goalkeeper, Gaga, Spencer Ritchie, and Chris Brady. But that's this year's spoon change. And finally, last couple of things that Tom Bogart mentions. Casper Sabilka was reportedly close to agreeing to a new contract when he was required in January, but nothing has been announced yet. Gaston Jimenez signed a new two-year designated player deal last winter. His deal cannot be brought down to free up a DP spot. Can Brian Gutierrez build a promising season? Can Federico Navarro take the leap next year? How long until he's sold to Europe or one of South America's most explosive clubs? So that's it for the fire on this episode of Block Sports Show. This kind of a season review, season close, and that's it for the fire this year. They are done. So most likely, the Bullock Sports Show won't be talking about the Chicago Fire, besides new free agency moves, loans, or firings along those lines until later, until we see some more moves in the offseason. We're going to start pivoting towards talking about the Chicago Bulls, Bears, and Blackhawks much more. Their season is ramping up, getting ready to begin. Bears just started, Bulls, and Blackhawks close to starting and I'll definitely be talking about the Chicago Red Stars if they go which is positive playoff stories lines as well so speaking of that transitioning to Red Stars they played a match recently they played two matches recently they played one that was important on Wednesday against Kansas City and they destroyed them this was one of the most important wins of the season for the Red Stars, beating Kansas City. 
they took advantage of a team that's one of the best in the league, but they beat them somehow. And with the win, it catapulted their chances better in the NWSL standings. As of Monday, September 19th, they have 30 points out in the year. The next closest club to them is 26 points, which is Angel City. So Angel City would need to get a win and a draw. And but most teams that end up sell have two games left this season, and then it's over. One advantage Angel City has if the Red Stars don't beat their next opponent, and Angel City does, the Angel City comes in to the final match of the year facing the Red Stars. So it's kind of a playoff playing game, to so to speak, because if Intercity beats the Red Stars in that final game, then they're going, and the Red Stars are done. But if the Red Stars beat their next opponent, I think they go no matter what. I think Intercity can't mathematically go, I don't think. So that's positive. So basically, Red Stars' best chances would be just to win out their last two games and don't have any theatrics drama and go to the playoffs. Most likely as the last seed, the sixth seed, but that's okay. So going on the fire, we ended that. So Red Stars, they beat Kansas City in a comfortable win. And then going off of that, a little bit of discussion on the Red Stars. I'm happy with some of their performances. I know it's been up and down. That one was one of their best of the year, a 4-0 beatdown. Tatum Lazo scored early. Mallor Pugh one of her best games, as of note, recently scored twice, and Manikowski scored as well late. So fantastic job. Defeated Cassie Miller, the former goalkeeper for Red Stars. There was going to be no more talk about how she was going to help defeat her old club. It didn't happen. The Red Stars do actually didn't have the advantage in some of the statistics Kansas City did in some of the stats, but luckily shots on target, Red Stars held the lead, and the shots they had took advantage of Tatum, Mallory, and Minikowski destroying Kansas City's 4-0 win at home, Siki Stadium, must win, which they took advantage of and got. So Great job. Then another one they had was at home as well. The most recent one was Saturday, September 17th against Houston Dash. This is the game I wanted to go to so bad. DJ Benny the Bull and I wanted to go to so bad. We couldn't wait to see Houston Dash versus Red Stars, but I worked this day and was unable to go to the match at night. Ben was on DJ Benny Bull was unable to go as well, so I was disappointing, but oh well. Next season, definitely going to try to go see the Dash because haven't got to see them yet. The only way I could see them again this season for the first time would be if the Red Stars go on a big tear and pull vault into a home field advantage seed in the playoffs and the Dash don't. But I don't want that because as a Dash fan and a Red Stars fan, all of them both have good positive results going into the playoffs. So I'd rather the Dash stay in second spot where they are and the Red Stars just get in somehow. I don't want it to be where the Dash fell apart and they have to play on the road. I don't want that. 
So I'd rather as a fan that the Dash just stay where they are and Red Stars get in. Maybe not last seed, but somewhere. So the Dash beat the Red Stars actually on the road. Ebony Salmon, who's been electric, unbelievable. After Racing Louisville left her for dead, they're like, oh, whatever. She's, she's yesterday's news. She stinks. She headed to the Dash and it has been their savior once Rachel Daly left. Emily Salmon has scored so many goals, been a passing machine. She's taking advantage of a good coaching lineup. They've utilized her well and she's made a name for herself this year in the NWSL. She scored so many goals and is without Emily Salmon, I have no idea where the dash would be. So great job. And lineup wise, the lineups for both sides. First for the visiting dash, we have in goal Jane Campbell, defense list of Chapman, Ali Prisic, Katie Nodden, Caprice Diasco, midfield Rachel Garris, Sophie Schmidt, Marissa Vigiano, and the strikers, Maria Sanchez, Evan Salmon, and Michelle Prince. And no, I did not need to look at the first names online. I already know the players' names. Then line up for the Red Stars. We have Listen Aaron Gould, Amanda Kowalski, Zoe Morris, Team Lazo in defense, Bianca St. George's, Vanessa DiBernardo, the captain, Danny Colaprico, Rachel Hill, midfield, Yuki Nagasato, Mallory Pugh, and then striker Ella Stevens. So great job by the Dash. The Red Stars in the end couldn't score, but the chances still are strong to sneak into the playoffs. And right now, the NWSL playoff standings are as follows. First, San Diego Wave with 34 points. Second, Eastern Dash with 33. Third, Kansas City Current with 33. Fourth, Portland Forns with 32. Fifth, Old Rain with 31. And sixth, Car Red Stars with 30. And then on the bubble, North Carolina Courage with 25 and Angel City with 26. And most teams have one or two games left. Which the Red Stars do. They have two games left. One at the road, September 25th, against the Portland Forns, which is a big game and difficult one. And then last one at home, October 2nd, against Angel City. They should try to go 2-0 and in this one. If they can't go 2-0... I would much prefer that they win they get is against Angel City and the draw against the Forens because it would be much more important based on how Angel City does to get that last win against them to end the year. So I'd rather a draw and a win or 2-0 if possible. Not both losses or one loss, one draw. Basically, this is how it's going to go for the season. What's important is injuries, can they utilize the players they have? Can Mallory Pugh get hot again? And we'll see how it goes. So thanks for listening to this Chicago Fire FC and Chicago Red Stars discussion here on the Bulldog Sports Show. 
unsure how this is going to be utilized if it's going to be put into a new episode is it a bonus or just a regular part most likely i'm going to put it into a new episode when we release that so it can be utilized in a good fashion and just ends the fire season on a positive note discussion about them and the red stars as well so thank you talk to you soon enjoy the rest of your week goodbye Thanks for listening to episode 105. Look forward to next episode. We will be starting a new segments related to music. We will reveal at episode 106. Uh, thank you for tuning in for our season-long coverage of Chicago soccer, Red Stars Fire, and anything else and thank you for all of your support and confidence in DJ Benny and I becoming good at covering Fire and Red Stars though both seasons didn't end the way we wanted it was still enjoyable season long full of many great stories and matches and now stay tuned for future coverage revolving around the Chicago Bulls and Blackhawks. Thank you.